EMS1.com is the number one online resource for the EMS community and authoritative voice in pre-hospital care. Our members enjoy access to exclusive content from top EMS educators and physicians, award-winning e-newsletters, original video series, member-only product discounts, access to free continuing education courses, and much more. If you're an EMS and not a member of EMS1, join the community for free today. Just go to ems1.com backslash registration. That's ems1.com backslash registration to become a member. What a great time it is to go inside EMS, and I'm so excited to be with you once again. This is Chris Sotolaro, and here he is, my partner. You know, you think about it. Tom and Jerry, the Lone Ranger and Tonto, Cagney and Lacey, Chris and Kelly. Kelly Grayson, what's going on? Oh, man, I'm, I'm good. Uh, so I want to know, am I Cagney or am I Lacey? You know, I think it's 6 of 1 at this point. So, you know, maybe we flip-flop. I don't know, man. I mean, did you have a favorite? No, no, not really. You're you're the peanut butter to my jelly, Chris. I, I just want you to know that. So does the peanut butter go on top or the bottom? That's what I need to know. I'm not even going to touch that, not even with a 10-foot pole. Okay, well, let's not even think about it then. A couple, uh, just a bit ago, the 2018 EMS trend report came out, yeah. and this was really kind of a, a great document. And last year, 2017, when it came out, we had the opportunity to talk about it. And I think this is one of those reports that everybody in EMS really needs to kind of put their hands on and understand what's going on from a, you know, a manager, director, supervisor, provider. I mean, everybody's kind of answering this report, and it kind of gives you an understanding of what the different people at the different levels believe about our career field. And, you know, it's about 30-some-odd yeah. pages. It was sponsored by Pulsera, uh, again, done by Fitch & Associates, and EMS1 put it out, and certainly we'll put it in the show notes for you to check it out. Some of the things, Kelly, before I give it to you that were really kind of interesting within the report and this really kind of starts off from the very beginning before it gets into the table of contents. One third of the respondents said they don't recommend EMS as a career to young people today. There's low pay, there's mm -hmm. physical and mental stress, there's a lack of respect, and uh, some give some other reasons as well. But I think that was very, very telling when it comes to our career field. And I, I'm wondering what you thought about that. It depends. Uh, I'm at a, a good point in my EMS career, so I, I would... Uh, I would recommend EMS as a career to others. On the other hand, uh, I can remember times when, when I wouldn't have recommended it because of this, the stress and the low pay and everything else. And, and, and uh, another way of looking at it is it, it took me 20 years to get to this point in my career. Who wants to do that to, to get, you know, spend 20 years getting to a comfortable point in your career? Um, most people are retiring 20 years in. So what sticks out to me in the trend report is the disconnect between field level providers and their managers uh, on several aspects of the report, but the optimism about EMS's future uh, and, and as a career field, 
uh, there's a big disconnect, a, a significantly higher percentage of leadership and management right. um, thought that EMS was, was a, a good career field and would recommend it to others. Yet the people they're supervising, uh, not so much. So right. what is it about, uh, about that disconnect that, that we can fix? Because apparently uh, the, the people that are actually providing care out there are not, uh, don't have as rosy a view of it. Yeah, we'll talk about some of those disconnects. Other things that you're going to kind of catch into this report, managers and field providers disagree on whether their organizations are adequately addressing provider safety, mental health, and fatigue. Uh, I think that's true. Uh, And then this one wasn't surprising at all. Recruitment and retention of EMS caregivers are the two most critical issues facing the profession today with reimbursement a distant third. Providers versus leaders trend report reveals divided on issues of safety, fatigue, and mental health. I find that very interesting because you and I talk about fatigue, mental health issues, um, you know, safety quite a bit, and where the managers will say they think it's fine and the supervisors think it's fine, mm-hmm. the providers who are the ones that are not safe or tired or having mental health issues, and then it gets in the Q&A and a roundtable, which I was happy to be part of that roundtable to give my opinions about what I thought about the trend report. Well, Kelly, before we go any further, we've got a really great surprise for the audience, our fearless leader is going to join us in this discussion of the trend report. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen. Please help us welcome our editor-in-chief, Greg Fries. You're welcome, Chris. I'm sure the uh, audience clapping track that you're going to add in there uh, has uh, gone down, and I can speak freely now. Uh, So thanks for the opportunity to talk about the trend report. And, you know, this collaborative effort between Fitch and Associates, EMS1, and the National EMS Management Association. We had a chance to present this to attendees at the Pinnacle EMS Conference in late July, and it was a it was a great opportunity to discuss the findings and then receive a lot of questions from the audience. The third year of the trend report, we decided to mix up the methodology a little bit. Instead of trying to uh, go after a cohort or representative group of EMS agencies, it turned out was sort of dwindling in size and participation uh, over the first two years. Uh, this third year, we changed the methodology to do more of a beliefs and opinions and perceptions of EMS rather than uh, data about sort of call volume or response time or budget or pay. Interesting stuff, but really complex and difficult to gather information. You know, at Pinnacle, what I did was I presented some of my top takeaways along with Brian Hupp, who's a, a hospital-based EMS uh, director in Tennessee. He and I co-presented, and we shared some of not only the data that's available in the trend report, but some of our top takeaways. And I just thought it'd be helpful if I shared my top takeaways with you guys, or maybe interesting uh, for you to hear, and then also to share with the listeners. And Probably other people are making some of these same conclusions. It's obvious uh, from the trend report that recruitment and retention are the top issues facing the respondents of uh, this year's survey. It was a convenient sample. This would sort of go in the category of uh, did we really need a survey to tell us that recruitment and retention are the top issues? I agree. I think we intuitively knew this. And it's also helpful to also now have the data showing how big uh, this problem is. You know, recruitment 
is it's more complex than just uh, help is wanted. Not only do we want help, but we want paramedics with degrees willing to do mostly non-emergent uh, transports. They need to be highly competent caregivers willing to work for low pay, work long shifts with a high risk of being held over frequently, and to do all that with little to no supervision and always looming a high risk of injury. So it's, it's more complex than just saying we need more paramedics. We need a certain type of people. So I just wrote an article that talked about recruiting quality candidates. I think we do this a little backwards. We try to sit across from the people and we we try to look at them and make the determine who's going to be a great quality candidate for our organization. You know, I think we need to stop hunting the great employee and we just need to start hiring employees and we need to invest in them to make them great. Here we are, we're trying to develop an organization and we're hoping that we're going to bring these great people into our organization so we could just leave them alone and and they make our organizations great. And I think we're missing the boat here. What we need to do is we we invite these people into our organizations to help us be successful and then we just forget about them once their orientation is exactly. over we've got to be able to invest in their professional development we've got to be able to invest in their personal development we've got to be able to help them grow their skills knowledge skill knowledge and experience we've got to be able to make them great within our organization so our organizations become great i think we're putting the cart before the horse and we're and we're cutting off our nose to spite our face or we don't see the forest for the trees, whatever you want to mm -hmm. use here, and we're not investing in the only resource in our organization that could appreciate over time instead of depreciate like all the equipment does, and we just forget about this concept in organization. I, I like the way you said it. Uh, we need to stop hunting for great employees. We need to start creating great employees. Nancy puts it in another way, uh, hire for attitude, train for ability. And, and we, we spend our times trying to, to, to hire the guy who can hit the ground running um, when what we need to be doing is, is training them uh, and, and helping them succeed within our organization. Uh, but often as, as not, you know, as soon as they learn how to file the paperwork and, and uh, adhere to most of the policies and procedures, uh, let's turn them loose and, and start uh, rendering patient care and hopefully turning in billable reports and, and generating us some money. Um, and, and we, we kind of abandon these guys when we, when they're put out in the field, there's no mentoring, uh, to assure that they're going to, uh, succeed in the organization. And I think that the lack of that is also a big contributor to uh, lack of job satisfaction. You know, people get disillusioned yeah, that's a good point. Uh, when, the, when they're not mentored effectively. I've heard a lot of people discuss the importance of exit interviews and asking people why they're leaving. I think it's an opportunity to ask people why they're staying. And Brian actually described a process at his hospital that they're doing check-in interviews, essentially why are you staying? And every six months during an employee's uh, first two years of employment, this and this is hospital-wide, and what the hospital realized that if most of their employee loss happens in the first two years of employment, and if they get people that stay beyond two years, they end up being essentially there for their entire career. And this is hospital-wide, uh, but it's also 
bringing in the EMS providers that are part of this hospital-based EMS system. And they're being asked questions, you know, what policies don't make sense to you? Or are you wondering if we have, is there any uniform or logistical problems you're having? And also for their EMS providers laying the groundwork of like, you know, you're going to need to recertify uh, a ACLS, BLS, paramedic, what have you to keep employment and to start getting people thinking about making a plan for that. Um, and I, I thought that was a really interesting concept. And I'm actually looking for more examples of how EMS managers are using stay interviews or check-in interviews with employees in their first couple of years of employment to target retention efforts. We, we focus on recruitment, but not so much retention. Go to any agency that, that's understaffed and, and really needs employees. They're paying sign-on bonuses. But are they paying retention bonuses? <laughs> are, they, yeah. are they looking at the guys, the, the stable guys in their workforce who have been there for 10 years, know their system inside and out, uh, and, and the company's invested all this money in them already? What are they doing to keep those guys? Instead, they're, they're paying extra money to hire new people that likely is not, you know, maybe they stay, maybe they don't. Uh, but you got a proven commodity that you're not rewarding. And, and there's something wrong with that. Yeah, to Chris's point, one of the conversations that I've had for several years now at Pinnacle is along the lines of, uh, you know, why should we do all that? Because they're just leaving anyway. And the, the question that I often ask people is sort of like, well, how long do you want people to stay? One of the thoughts I have is that there's possibly agencies that could really own the concept of we're the place where people stay for two years, collect up a lot of great experience, uh, learn, work hard, develop professional habits, and that launches them into a career in nursing or physician assistant or firefighter and, and taking a lot of pride in that of uh, and boasting about like, you know, we have alumni that have left us to go to work in these hospitals and these fire departments or have become educators in these EMS programs. It's a much different contrast to, well, people stay with us for four years, and then when they leave, they're exhausted, burnt out, likely mentally damaged, physically injured, uh, and they leave EMS for good and never, ever consider returning. The Brooke Burton, who is one of the contributors to the Trend Report, she had a, a great observation. So Gold Cross Ambulance in Salt Lake City where she works is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And they've always been a place where uh, paramedics work for several years, get a great experience, and then leave to go work for fire departments. And what they are experiencing now is that they've always tried to separate on good terms with those people that leave. And now they have paramedics that have worked 20, 25 years for the fire department and are retiring from the fire service and are coming back to Gold Cross to work uh, either full-time or part-time as paramedics because right. they're still relatively young, they're highly experienced, um, and they're still certified as paramedics. And they're really grateful that they've uh, been able to launch people into another career separated on good terms and can now welcome those people back to their organization. 
Yeah, and I think that one of the things, you know, the, the counter to that argument of we're going to invest in these people and they're just going to leave anyway is always the same. You know, we always need to say this. And when we create a great employee, we're going to get the very best out of them when they're in our organization. They're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be loyal. They're going to uh, give great patient care. They're going to help us with, uh, you know, increasing employee engagement, employee satisfaction. I would rather invest in an employee and we get great things out of them once before they go than have a mediocre employee and them stay and be cancers within the organization. We all want to have, we all want to have better opportunities. We all want to make more money. We all want to grow in our career. This, this is where the hedonic treadmill comes in. What makes us happy today is going to make us, uh, you know, sad tomorrow. And it's going to, this is the growth mechanisms that we have, but we need to invest in our employees. Even if we know they're going to leave, because we get the very best out of them while they're there. Greg, let me ask you this question while you're here. Sure. The the people that are reading this trend report and hopefully we want to get we want to get field providers, we want to get educators, we want to get supervisors, managers, medical directors. What do they do with this information? But more importantly, how do they connect on those things that are disconnected? Well, so I think the the thing that's probably most striking is the disconnect that we observe between field providers and managers. And this would be another thing where probably people are seeing, oh, you needed to do a, a survey to find out that uh, field providers uh, feel like uh, their organization does not take provider safety uh, seriously enough, and managers feel like, oh yeah, we've we've already solved this problem. You know, the trend report shows a big disconnect there. Uh, the so I think there's a real opportunity for people who are reading this to do uh, several things. One is if you're a manager or a leader in your organization, is to make sure that. Uh, not only are you addressing things like patient safety, provider safety, provider mental health, fatigue, um, but you're also regularly communicating to your staff that, you know, here's things we've put in place. We've strengthened our EA, EAP program. We've stood up a peer support team. We've created, uh, you know, these other opportunities for health and wellness in our organization that, you know, it's not a one-time, like, you know, put it in a memo and send it out, but it's a regular messaging. And I read a great quote uh, from the LinkedIn CEO a couple weeks ago, and it was, uh, when you're tired of saying it, people are just starting to hear it. And that, I think, is, uh, you know, some messaging leaders think of like, oh, we got to, you know, I've told people once, I've told them twice, we're all good. Um, Brian Hupp, the co-presenter, had a great observation that he's done some of these things in his organization where they've they've trained people in uh, critical incident stress management, they've strengthened EAP, they have uh, have access to a therapy dog that can make visits to the station and providers, and they've done any number of things. And, and just right before Pinnacle, uh, uh, one of the providers said to Brian, you know, hey, Brian, you know, I really like it if we could have some sort of uh, mental health support here in our organization. And Brian was just sort of like taken aback, thinking of all the things that he'd done that still providers in the organization weren't aware of existed. Uh, so that piece of, of communication, I think, is really important. And then I think on the other side, 
you know, providers seek out these things and take advantage of them. And I think we can both express gratitude without also disclosing, you know, I think there's nervousness in the provider staff of disclosing, like, I want this thing or I've taken advantage of this thing of like I contacted EAP, um, yeah. you know, it it's a combination of, you know, make it available, communicate to people it's available. And then now that it's available, you ought to use it. You know, other things in the report that really stick out, uh, we're all still really concerned, uh, both leaders and, and providers alike are still concerned about budgeting and reimbursement. Only 5% of the respondents said that current reimbursement rates cover the cost of EMS service. Um, and we're going to have to expand and diversify our reimbursement model because, you know, as, as it goes right now, Medicare and Medicaid, if that's what you're, you're, you're relying on, likely is not, is not covering your cost of providing care, especially if you have a low payer mix uh, and the majority of, of your patients are, are Medicaid. Uh, that's a recipe for, for closing the doors if you don't have some other revenue stream. What do we got to do to increase reimbursement and more, more importantly, um, convince the public and policymakers of what, the value of what we do um, so, so that they'll, they'll pay more for it. Um, they still look at us as a transport agency. But let you me know, bring this up to you, Kelly. I yeah. mean, show me the benefit of EMS. So when, I, you know, when we talk about being, a tra- you know, being only a transport service, what's the percentage of patients that we actually make a difference on when we pick them up at home and we take them to the hospital? So we, we don't even show the value of EMS, and that's why you know, we think about this community paramedicine thing. We're actually changing that paradigm. So when we talk about that we need to get reimbursed more money, can we show that we're actually making a difference in the people that we touch every day? Maybe a small percentage, but, you know, yeah. so that's a very interesting concept. So, Greg, I mean, for your final takeaway then, you know, for the people that are going to read the report, uh, what do you want to leave them with? So, Chris, one of the questions we asked was the, what people think about changing the name of our profession to paramedicine. So there's been an ongoing effort, certainly led by the National EMS Management Association, but other professional organizations to uh, say, you know, is emergency medical services or EMS really the name that captures our profession and communicates our value and services to the public? And so what in our sample of respondents there is strong support for the term EMS, emergency medical services, and a significant lack of support for paramedicine. And I was fairly surprised by that. I think a parallel finding was we also asked the question, you know, the public understands what EMS is or what EMS does. And to that statement, a large majority of the respondents uh, disagreed or strong, strongly disagreed. So this uh, paradox of EMS is the best name for us and public doesn't understand what EMS is was really striking to me. And it reminded me of the phrase uh, that goes along the lines, it has to do with change. We don't like what we're doing now, but we really don't like change. And I've amended that to we don't know who we are now, but we are sure we don't want to be something different. And I think it's going to be uh, an ongoing struggle for us as a profession, 
or a workforce or management that uh, we want to stick with EMS, uh, but the communities we serve still don't know what, you know, 50 plus years into this, still don't know or understand what EMS is. And at some point, you know, we've got to come to terms with that. This is a really great report. You know, it talks about uh, as well in here the percentage of organizations that are using different devices, i.e. mechanical CPR devices, mechanical ventilators, TXA for trauma patients. There's an incredible article here by our friend and colleague, uh, Art Sia, and he kind of talks about the, you know, the divide on issues between safety, fatigue, and mental health. You know, Kelly, I think this is a really great report. Everybody yeah. needs to kind of put their hands on it with the, with the management, with the supervisors, with the workforce, all in the same room and talk about the disconnects and make this a priority. And I really want to be able to see people use this document and the 2019 uh, EMS trend report make a little bit better uh, bridge between mm-hmm. what the providers think are important, what the leaders think are important, and really kind of hone in on the top things, safety, mental health, fatigue, yeah. uh, recruiting, retention, and pay. Yeah, and, and I'll close with, with this thought. More than half of the respondents in this in this survey agreed that they were very satisfied with the EPCR reporting system, but that once again there's that disconnect. Uh, the dissatisfaction among the people who actually have to use the software was a good deal higher uh, than uh, the the administrators who implement those programs and who purchase and uh, the, that hardware and software. And and there's the concern. Uh, among providers that that electronic charting was hurting providers' ability to interact with patients. This is something that we really, really need to pay attention to because one of the advantages, I guess, uh, if there is an advantage to us lagging behind the rest of the healthcare industry in electronic health records and electronic charting is we can look at how badly it has been screwed up by our, our colleagues in healthcare uh, and, and try to avoid some of those, those perils and pitfalls. Uh, and one of them that you will find in nursing and in medicine is that they are really, really dissatisfied with the electronic health record. And they think that it takes away from their ability to interact with their patients. And they spend more time charting uh, and, and less time actually provide patient care and, and connecting with, with another human being that's lying on that cot. Uh, that's a major problem in healthcare in general. Uh, and it's a foreboding, uh, you know, a little foreshadowing of, of what might be uh, to come with us. And only if the 19 percent of administrators uh, are dissatisfied, but uh, almost twice that many field providers are dissatisfied. I think the administrators need to, to pay attention to that little statistic uh, and understand that that uh, uh, EHRs and, and EPCRs need to be a little more streamlined, a little more user friendly. And, and help promote uh, a little better patient care than rather than just clicking and tapping on a tablet. It's always great, Greg, when you come and visit. And uh, it's been too long. I mean, you need to come back. And uh, I know Kelly kind of gives you a hard time. I promise that uh, we'll kind of keep it. I'm still waiting for my Gulfstream 4. I've been told that the most they can afford is a Piper Cub. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay off on the Greg Freese impressions for a while and see if I can butter him up. So. All right. Great. Well, I'm... Uh, in September, I'll be attending Urban Shield in Oakland. It's the uh, all-discipline uh, training uh, re- related to active shooters, host- hostile 
uh, situations that uh, involve SWAT and also fire and EMS and uh, ongoing patient care. So I think after I come back from Urban Shield would be a great time to come back on the show and talk about what I observed and learned uh, at Urban Shield. How about we do that? That sounds amazing, and we look forward to it. And I want to thank you for joining us. We know you're busy, and it's always great when we hear from you, friend. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for your good work. And I know uh, for the audience, uh, thanks for listening to the Inside EMS podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Fearless Leader. Take time to download and read through the 2018 EMS Trend Report and give us your thoughts. Email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>